Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. And uh, anyway, if you would, turn your Bibles with me to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1 is what we're going to be in. I'm going to read the first three verses, and then we're going to kind of dissect the entire four chapters. Um, And uh, I believe that the Lord is going to hopefully illuminate some things, help you, encourage you, maybe convict you, um, whatever he wants to do with you. How about that? All right, so Jonah chapter 1, we're going to read verse 1 through 3. It says this, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amida, which actually means sons of truth. And, uh, and then it goes on and says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. What an assignment. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Father, for your desire to reach nations, to expose to them their own condition. Father, I thank you, God, for using people to reach people, to touch people, to minister to people. And Father, I thank you, God, that in this room this morning, God, that we have people who would accept the call of God on their lives, Lord, that their hearts would become teachable and tender to your voice. Lord, we thank you this morning, God, that as that happens, Lord, that we would begin to live out our lives to make you more famous today than you were yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, you can say amen. We want to welcome you if you're new to church this morning. Let's give them a hand this morning. We're honored to have you. We pray and hope that you don't sense that it's just, you're just a number. We believe that you have a destiny and a purpose, and it's our ambition and goal for you to experience that. So we're honored to have you this morning. You know, as I, was, as I was studying out this and just kind of going through this, uh, this whole experience with Jonah, because I kind of put myself in Jonah's shoes as I'm writing a sermon and trying to feel like what Jonah feels. Why is Jonah doing what he's doing? Why would I do if I was Jonah what Jonah's doing? And uh, I was thinking about, you know, if you've ever had somebody offend you, you've had a bad encounter with somebody, you, uh, you know, you got something happened in a relationship and the relationship dissolved, and then you see them out shopping. When you're just out minding your own business, you're doing life, you're doing something fun, and all of a sudden you see them, but they haven't seen you. And you're like, okay, I can get out of this. And, you know, you jump into a fitting room, even though you don't have anything. I got to try on some clothes. You don't got anything but what you're wearing. I mean, you will go to extreme measures to try to get out of an awkward exchange or an experience with somebody. Can I get an amen? Anybody ever had that happen? It's like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to have that. Or you know somebody, and it's like, when you talk with them, you got you to, like, cut out, like, 45 minutes. Like, they don't, they, they don't, like, it's like, I'm going to tell you my life story. I'm going to tell you what I've been doing for the last six months. And we're going to get caught up in 30 minutes on my entire life. And you just, you got 10 minutes to get what you got to get, get back home and make your meal. And you dodge and you try to get away. You try to get around. You try to avoid. Anybody ever done that? This is what Jonah's doing. Jonah is trying to get away from the Lord. He is trying to avoid what it is that God is asking him to do. He hears it, but he acts like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and act like I didn't hear what the Lord's asked me to do. And uh, if if you're writing notes down, you can take this. This is the title. It's called, Why Are You Running? And I want to ask that question for you this morning. Why are you running? Because here's what I want you to understand. Just because you showed up to church this morning does not mean that you're not in the middle of running from the Lord. 
In fact, this may be your hideout. This might be your escape. This might be the place that you go to be like, oh yeah, Lord, I hear you. I'm going to be obedient. And then you bounce for six months and we ain't seen you. Or, you know, the Lord hasn't heard from you. He hasn't talked to you. And it's like, sometimes like it's real easy and tempting to kind of run from the Lord and assume that because we've run from the Lord, that the Lord has stopped wanting to do something in our lives. Right? How many of y'all have know that just because it's silent doesn't mean that God's not still got an assignment for your life? It just means that you've distanced yourself from the assignment, the call of God on your life, and it's gone silent. That silence is not God not calling you. That is the noise of you running. That's the sound of you running from the very thing that God has called you to get. You think you got peace, but that's the wrong kind of peace you need. I would much rather be in war in the will of God than peace and not be in the will of God. And here we see Jonah, he begins to kind of go through this, this situation, what's happening. And, and I love that, that in this, he says, get up and go. And Jonah says, okay, I'm going to get up and go the opposite direction. He gets up and he leaves. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to take your life and put it in with Jonah and be like, okay, God's calling me to a city. That's not what I'm asking you to think about. What I'm wanting you to do is to bring this into your own life, into today's society, into your own world, into the own, your own situation, that whatever God is speaking to you, it may be about career change. It may be about a conflict that you're called to speak into. It may be about, um, uh, it may be about an emotion that you've been avoiding it may be a conversation that you've been trying to go around. See, these are the Jonah situations that God's asking us to. He's not calling us to a Nineveh. But he may be calling us to confront and have a conversation. He may be calling you into a thing that you've been running from in a career that just because you're doing something doesn't mean that's what you're called to do. See, there's things that we're running from, and sometimes we hear the story, and it's like, oh, Jonah's called to a nation. That's, I'm, that's not me, and so I'm not called to the mission field, so I'm just... You know, this doesn't apply to me. No, many of you came in this morning running, running from the very thing that the Lord is asking you to do. He's been calling you. He's been telling you. He's been, he's been trying to remind you, and you were in a dead, straight-out run and a mad dash away from the very thing that God's called you to. And here we see in verse, in verse 3, it says, But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He said he went down to the port and he got a ticket. Look, just because you can afford a, a way to get away doesn't mean that you should have gotten away. And just because you can afford and be like, okay, just because, here's what we do. Let me break that down into our society. Just because you're having your 401k is growing doesn't mean you're in the perfect will of God. Just because your life is going great right now doesn't mean that you're in the perfect will of God. Just because life is good doesn't mean that you're in the perfect will of God. Doesn't mean that you're not running from God. I was in the perfect, I was, I was doing all right as a young guy, and then all of a sudden the Lord called me, and it took me about six to eight months to finally say, okay, God, I need to stop running. My life was going great. My life was doing just fine, but the problem was is I was in direct obedience. I was running from the Lord and seeing how fast I could run away from the call of God on my life. And you'll do all right for a little while, but there's going to be a point where you realize that God doesn't fatigue. God doesn't get tired. God doesn't get worn out. But you and I, we do. You're like, I got him beat. Well, I'm smoking him. And you think you're getting farther away, but he's going to meet you up there. <laughs> he's going to get ahead of you and let you know, hey, man, you've been running, and I've been running with you the whole time, but I've just been quiet. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's this thing that there's this purpose that sometimes it's like, oh, no, that's not my, that's not what I'm called to because that would interrupt my life right now. Well, that doesn't disregard the fact that God is still maybe calling you. Well, that, that, does, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Okay, God bless you. That doesn't mean that God has still not called you. Your comfort does not define God's calling on your life. And sometimes we forget that God called Jonah regardless of how comfortable Jonah felt. He didn't go, hey, Jonah, would you feel uncomfortable if I told you to go to Nineveh? He didn't ask anything to Jonah. He just said, this is what you're called to do. This is where I need you to go. And in that moment, Jonah said, I don't feel comfortable. I don't like that assignment on my life. And we're telling God what we want for our lives. That's where we, a lot of us get. We move from, hey, God, I'm Lord, you're the Lord of my life, to I'm entitled to do what I want to go, to do what I want to do and go where I want to go. You know, I don't get the privilege to tell God what I'm going to write every Sunday. Hey, God, you know what? This is the sermon I'm preaching. I don't get the privilege of that. It's hilarious because Courtney started singing that song. I'm in here studying, kind of getting ready for service, and I hear this song. I'm like, I text Alicia. I was like, did you, hear, did you read over my notes this Sunday? She's like, no, we did this two weeks ago. I was like, that's crazy. The song that she's singing is talking about people running from the Lord. I'm like, okay, Holy Ghost. Apparently I missed, I, I nailed this one. Whether y'all want to hear it or not, the Lord spoke. All right, so, so here he goes down. He runs. He bought a ticket and he went on board trying and hoping to escape. Some of y'all have been hoping to escape the call of God on your life, the plan of God. But like, I mean, if I can just keep telling, if I can keep running, if I can keep avoiding have you ever had that conversation with your husband or wife and you know you're supposed to have, but you keep avoiding it? Or it's that friendship and you keep avoiding it? You're like, it'll just go away. It'll be fine. All the stuffers, amen. All the stuffers in the room say, yep, done that, tried that. Has it ever worked in your history of your life? Never, right? This is Jonah. Jonah's like, hey, I'll just be gone a little bit and then he'll forget about me going. He'll send somebody else. That's how a lot of you feel about your purpose. Oh, he'll call them and then we'll be fine. And God's like, hey, bro, still waiting on you. And so many times we just assume that, the, here's the deal, is God is patient for your purpose and your calling. And some of y'all are just doing what you're doing, living life, thinking God done forgot about the call of God to your Nineveh. And you think because it's been a while, he's forgotten about it. And that's completely opposite of the nature of God. So this first thing that I want to kind of set up in these first three verses is this. God has a plan for you regardless of you, whether you accept it or not. God's plan for you is not based on whether you accept it or not. God didn't call Brian to do what he calls to do, and then it's like, well, only if he accepts it. No, the call of God was on my life regardless of whether I accepted it or not. Do you know what stood in the way oftentimes of me accepting it? And not accepting it? Do you know what's standing in the way of you accepting the call of God on your life or not? Your ability to understand it. Well, I need some clarity, Lord. I need to fully understand what you're going to do and why you're calling me to this. I want to say this. The understanding is the enemy to acceptance. If you are waiting to fully understand what God is calling you to, it's the enemy. It's the very thing that will keep you from accepting the call of God on your life. And to be honest with you, you don't want to fully understand what God is calling you to because it will even terrify you more. You better accept it while it's easy, while it's just a little boat ride to Nineveh. 
before you realize the magnificence of what God is really calling you to. And we want, I want to understand it, God. I really need to understand it. No, you don't. Trust me, you don't want to fully understand it because then you're going to really run. I remember when God called me to youth ministry and it was like, oh, it's just a few 15 kids. Not realizing that I'll be preaching to adults by the hundreds on a weekly basis, knowing that if God would have let me understand that, I'd have bounced out a long time ago. See, you understand that your significance, your obedience has got little to do with you. I mean, it's got little to do with what you're really, your comfort zone. It's about other people. Here's what Jonah was doing. When he was running, do you know what you do when you're running? Right now, you, some of you all are running. You're running from the Lord. Now, you didn't wake up this morning and be like, I'm running from the Lord. But you're running from the Lord based on the decisions and the choices and the tickets that you're buying to get away from the very thing that God's asking you to go towards. That's how you know you're running. But you know what happens when you, when you run? See, running is choosing to write your own story without God. What, no, what, what Jonah was wanting to do is he said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and write my story the way that I would like it to end. The way that I would like it to go. So I'm going to go ahead and buy a ticket. And I'm going to go where I want to go. Instead of where the Lord is calling me to go. And so what Jonah was doing is saying, hey God, I'm going to go ahead and write my own story. I'm going to do what I want to do, how I want to do it, where I want to go, when I want to go. And he tried to take control of his life. But here's the reality is that we, we say this. We say, Lord, you're the Lord of my life. Does your life look like Jesus is the Lord of your life? Because in that moment, Jonah is not letting Jesus be the Lord of his life. He's going where he wants to go. He's going where he's comfortable. He's going in the direction that he feels he should go. In the opposite direction of where God's asking him. Right, like that's our tendency when we don't understand what God is calling us to and the significance of it and the, 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 to do something that it's like, I don't really want to go there, Lord. We oftentimes, we oftentimes try to get away from it. We try to avoid it instead of confront what we're really called to do. See, many of us, we just try to, well, I'm just going to get on a boat and it'll get silent and then, you know, the Lord will leave me alone. But you're called to confront things. There are things that God has called you as a person to confront in society through your calling, through your purpose. There are things that God has called you to do. And in this moment, when you avoid it, you can't confront what you avoid. Right? So Jonah is leaving something, and he's missing out on the opportunity to confront something because he's avoiding it. And some of y'all's calling is you're simply called to be in a, in a workplace, in the marketplace, and you're called to do certain things, but you won't confront what you're called to confront, because you avoid it. The nation doesn't change by people turning their heads and burying them in the sand. Things change by people understanding the call of God on their lives, the plan of God on their lives, the purpose of their lives, and in that, nations are changed. That's the power of when you say yes to God and you're willing to go where God's asked you to go, not when you go buy your own ticket and go do what you want to do. See, what did Jonah do? Jonah moved away from what he should have been moving towards. How, how close are, are you to what God has been calling you to? That's a good indication of letting you know whether you're moving towards God in obedience or away from him in disobedience. It's like, oh, you're called to do this. Well, how come you're so far away from it if that's what you're called to? Right, like, if I'm, if I'm just hypothetically going to go wash my car because it needs to be cleaned, I have to get in the car and 
take it to a car wash. Or I need to go get to the car and bring a water hose to it, right? If I'm out, if I'm in the living room, my like, oh, man, I wish I hope that car gets cleaned. Like, your, wherever you are located has a lot to do with whether you're being obedient to God or not. It's not just because you showed up to church this morning that you're in obedience. It's not that you even leave this place today feeling hyped and saying, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. It's where are you going to be this next week? When you don't really want to deal with what you've got to deal with to do what God's called you to do. That's where you really find out. Proverbs 19.21 says this. You can make many plans. How many of y'all have made some plans in your life? How many of y'all have made some really good plans? I mean, how many of you guys have made some amazing plans? Like, I'm going to have this, I'm going to be here, I'm going to go there, this is what I'm going to do. We can all make plans, and we should make plans. But, how many of y'all know when there's a but in the Bible, you might want to pay attention. But, the Lord's purpose will prevail. Make plans, but allow your plans to be changed. Allow your plans to be to be rearranged for the ultimate plan, which is God's for your life. I made plans. I made plans for me and my wife to get married. We'd have kids, not, you know, not at 40-something years old. I'm going to have a little child, but that's God's plan, apparently. I'm going to be like, hey, baby, wait up for me. <laughs> you know? I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> that wasn't my plan. I had plans to have kids young where I could, you know, catch it, do stuff with them. I'm... Yeah, I'm just kidding. But what I'm getting at is that there are just, at the, at the end of the day, there are plans that happen in our lives, but God ultimately, his plans prevail. And I'm thankful that Anaya came into our plan. We had plans, we're going to have kids. No, God's plan prevailed, which was to adopt Anaya and her to become our baby daughter and, and to be what we're called to nurture and raise up. Wasn't my plan initially. But God's plan prevailed, and I thank God for the plan of God that his, his plan prevailed because his plan was better than ours. And some of y'all are so resistant to the plan of God because it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like and didn't like, it looks like Jonah. Jonah, you're calling me to, God, you're calling me to do what? And in this moment, you have to allow, you have to allow, if God is willing to speak to you, he's willing to take and, and provide and do what he's got to do to get you there. Here's, here's something. Thank you, Holy Spirit. See, here's the deal. Jonah had to pay out of his own pocket to get where he was going. If God, if he would have listened to God, it would have been a different thing he would have been having to provide for. See, God would have taken care of that. But here's, here's the thing. Is it costs you when you want to try to write your own plan. When you want to try to go against the will of God, it costs you personally. It costs you emotionally. It costs you relationally. It costs you physically. It costs you purity-wise. See, this is what happens when we try to write our own plan. Is it cost, it cost Jonah, he said he had to go buy a ticket. What would it have been if he'd have said yes to God and gone down an end of it? It wouldn't have cost him anything because God would have provided for it. Some of y'all are complaining about what you're having to go through, but it's, your, it's, your, it's at your expense because you're out of the perfect will of God for your life. And so you're having emotional trauma happen to your life. You're having relational things happen. You're having financial things happen, oftentimes because we're out of the will of God. Many of us don't need miracles. We simply just need to get in the will of God. I mean, Noah went from, I'm fine, to, dear Jesus, save me. I'm on a boat that's about to go down. 
He wouldn't have needed a miracle. He wouldn't have needed God's intervention if he would have been in the perfect will of God. See, avoiding, what was he doing? What was he doing? Why was he trying to go the opposite direction? He was trying to avoid the presence of God. Because what happens in the presence of God? Perspective changes. You begin to see what God sees, and you begin to crave and desire what God craves and desires. So if you get out of the will of God, if you get out of the presence of God, then you stop craving and desiring the will of God for your life. So Jonah knew, if I can get out of the presence of God, I can get into my own will, and I can do what I want to do, and I won't feel guilty about it. I won't feel bad about it, because the presence of God, it, it, it drowns out. The presence of God, it, it highlights and illuminates the call of God on your life. When you get out of the presence of God, it drowns out the call of God. You become, how many of you guys have ever not been in the, in the presence of God and become more selfless? No, you don't become more selfless when you get out of the presence of God. When you get into the presence of God, you become more selfless. You become more aware of what it is that you want me to do, Lord. This is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to a place where we will be willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to be in your presence, and I'm going to be willing to do what you've called me to do. What, what do we do? Oftentimes we think that avoiding, what does it do? It gives us a false sense of security. When we run and we get out of it, it's like, okay, I'm fine. You think you're fine until you realize you're not fine. That's what happens with this. Isn't it amazing how many times in, in our lives we've talked about how big God is? How incredible, how, what he's capable of doing in our lives, that he can save our marriage, that he can restore a relationship, that he can heal our kids, that he can save, that he can save a, a, a community of people. He can do all of these crazy things until God calls us and then we think we can outrun him. It's amazing how we can, how big God is until it's on our lives. And it's like, okay, I can outrun him. I can outsmart him. And we realize that we have swallowed some lie that, that we can outsmart and outrun God. I have become fully convinced that I am not as fast as God. And some of you have still, you're still drinking the Kool-Aid that you can outrun and outsmart God. This is what Jonah, Jonah, Jonah was doing this. He was like, okay, I can go down to Tarshish and I can outrun God. Little to find out, the next chapter, the next verse, I'm sorry, says this. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea. We need to wrap that around our theology for a moment. Because there are certain things that the Lord does to help us and awaken us to the call of God in our lives. So this is what it says. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Now, we know that Jonah is in direct disobedience to the Lord. We know he's running. We see that. And we see what's happening in there. But here's the one thing I want you to know, is that this next chapter, I'm going to read chapter 2 in here in a moment, and I want you to see the grace of God is in these three things that I'm about to talk about. There's a storm that happens, and then when the storm happens, the ship is going down, and they throw lots, and they say, hey, who's, who's, who's the cause of this? And the men throw lots, and it picks Jonah. Jonah's like, they're like, why are you on the ship and why is, what is going on? And he says, throw me overboard. And then after that happens, 
The Bible says that there was a fish that came. We don't know if it was a whale. We don't know if it was a great white shark. We don't know if it was a, a, an animal, a fish that the Lord has designed in that moment for this situation. What we do know is that he was in the belly of a fish, big enough to survive for a few days. Okay? Now, many of us would not call that grace. Many of us would not call that mercy. But that's exactly what it was. The storm that came into Jonah's life was grace. Those men that threw him overboard was grace. That fish that consumed him and swallowed him up was grace. There were three different opportunities of grace being expressed to Jonah to show him how much God cares for him, loves him, is willing to provide for him, and also willing to make sure that he gets into the assignment that God has for him. But oftentimes when you have a wrong way of looking at things, you say, God, why, is, why are you letting that happen to me? Why is that happening to me? Why are you doing this to me? How come this would happen to me? It was simply to get Jonah back in calibration to the will of God. So here we see in 2, in chapter 2, this is what happens. Jonah has been consumed by this fish. He's in this fish for three days, and this is what he begins to pen. This is what he begins to write. This is what he begins to say to God. So he's been running, right? I mean, he is running as fast as he can from God, from the will of God in his life, from the plan that he has for him. And this is what he says. Chapter 2, I've missed this the significance of this in my own life in times until I saw Jonah and what he wrote. He says this, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. So just that in itself right there. Jonah's been running, but now Jonah is praying. He has gotten himself into a position of, okay, I'm acknowledging God is God. And some of y'all need to finally get to the place where you realize God is God. You've been running, you've been trying to hide, you've been trying to do what you can in your own abilities. And the first thing that Jonah says is he prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. Not outside of the fish, not after everything got better. While he was in the middle of his mess, in the middle of, the, of, the, of, the, of this thing that he's been running from, now he's in the middle of it and he's praying to his God. And he says this, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. Think about that. That we can be in direct disobedience to the Lord, acknowledge that we have messed up, and the Lord is waiting to answer in the middle of the belly of a fish. Let me just tell you, I don't care where you're at in this building this morning. I don't care how far you've gone, how much you've messed up, that if you are willing to be put in a situation that you are allowing your life to be put on pause and hear the Lord, that you can easily say what Jonah said. God, help me in my great trouble. And he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. And Lord, you heard me. So he answered him, and he heard him. Sounds like a lot of relationship stuff going on here. Sounds like God is not just sending Jonah to Nineveh just to send him, that he wants to do this with him. And then it says, you threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more to your holy temple. 
He drew, he drew him from it because he didn't want to accept what he was being drawn to. And then verse 5, he said, I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. But you, oh my God. Again, listen for the but. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. God is sovereign. God is good. No matter what you may be in the middle of and what you've been running from, God is good. In the middle of you being disobedient, God is still good. He says, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you and your holy temple. Is God calibrating Jonah's heart? Is God purifying Jonah's heart for his assignment instead of Jonah's assignment? There's some things happening in the belly of this well that a lot of people don't tell in the Bible stories. In the Sunday morning school, at the, you know, at the, the plays that they do. There's some stuff that's seriously happening in the belly of this well. And it's some things that, that need to happen in Jonah's heart for him to do what he's called to do. And many of us are trying to avoid this but it's not until this stuff happens to our lives and in our hearts as far as our calibration and our perspective change that we actually begin to get in line with God, what God has for us. And this is where I want to kind of land. Verse 8, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. All of God's mercies. That's a lot of mercies. Because this is all of God's mercies. That that's the power of when you worship you, you turn your back on the mercy of God. That's what he's talking about. Idols, right? Idols are what we turn our back on. We turn our back on God. An idol is something that we worship. Sometimes it's you and sometimes it's the culture. Sometimes it's the world. Sometimes it's things around us. There are things that we allow to become idols. Sometimes it's the idol of not, not oh my gosh, I don't want to have to deal with this. And yet he realizes those who worship false idols, they turn their back on the mercy and the grace of God. Then in verse 9, but I, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Notice that there's a lot of stuff happening in three days, and it's not until Jonah, check this out. Verse 10 doesn't happen until verse 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 happens. Verse 10 says, and then, let's read it. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I mean, if all of you have lived, you've prayed to be on the beach, here's your opportunity. <laughs> Maybe a little different than what you planned, but so be it. Isn't that interesting, though? So Jonah's running. Jonah, all this stuff happens to Jonah. Jonah ends up in the well the belly of a whale, or a fish, we'll say. And then in nine verses, over the course of three days, some things are happening in his heart. And this is how I know. Chapter three, it says, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, get up and go. And he went. Let me talk to you first about number chapter two. This is the thing that I want you to understand, is that the, this is the second point. The grace of God calibrates your heart for his plan. 
Some of you are still on your plan. And it's not until your heart is calibrated to the plan of God that you actually say, okay, God, I want what you want. Here's what I'm getting at. Is Jonah, your heart doesn't just get calibrated because you showed up today. Your heart doesn't get calibrated because you opened up your Bible. Your heart doesn't get calibrated because you've been serving Jesus for 10 years. Your heart doesn't get calibrated because you showed up this morning to serve. Your heart doesn't get calibrated until you recognize that you're running. That you're in direct disobedience. That you're willing to say, okay, God, I hear you. You hear me. I'm willing to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. It's in that that that's what happens. See, time and God changes your perspective from being about you to being about him. It really isn't time. God just uses time to get you to finally hear what he's been trying to tell you. Here's another thing that I love about this is that God will sit with you. God is sitting with Jonah in this fish. He's sitting there speaking to him, saying, hey, I've heard you. I answered you. I, he heard me. He answered me. Sounds like God is sitting with him. Even in his disobedience, he's recognizing, okay, God, you are the God that you say you are. And let me just tell you, if God is calling you to something, he's going to be the God that he says he is in your life if you're willing to go where he's asking you to go. Something that happens in this is the distress that's happening in Jonah's life needs to happen so that he'll have compassion for the distress in other people's lives. Sometimes we get in situations and my heart needs to soften so that my heart can soften for other people. And quite frankly, if you're running, your heart is hard towards whatever God is calling you to. It's not until God can calibrate and soften your heart and you realize, okay, I, I realize that I need Jesus, so these people probably need Jesus. Nineveh probably needs him like I need him in this well, in this fish. See, when you love yourself too much, you desert the steadfastness of God's love. It's dangerous to love yourself too much. The Bible says to love yourself, but not love yourself over the Lord. Love yourself over the will of God and the plan of God for your life. Love yourself, but don't make yourself an idol. Don't make it something that you worship about you and it's all about you and it's all about your comfort and it's all about your, how, how you perceive life. That's dangerous for the call of God on your life. And it's real easy in today's society to make it all about us. It's all about me. I, I, wanna, I sing that song all the time. Right? It's, it's easy to make it all about me. But it's also very lethal to the call of God on your life. Here he says something in this last thing. He says, but I will offer sacrifices. See, sacrifice is a reality if you're going to let God write your story. You're going to have to be willing to be sacrificial. Be like, okay, God, if you want me to go to Nineveh, I'm willing to go. But many of us, we want this certain story. Well, God, I want you to do this with my life and this with my life and this with my life. And if that's not part of your story, then guess what you have to do? You have to sacrificially give up what it is that God's asking you to give up. Jonah at that moment didn't get to say, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. No, he had to sacrificially trust God and give up what needed to be give, uh, given up so that he could do what he was called to do. It was hard for Jonah is what I'm saying. It wasn't easy. Jonah never got to the point where he's like, okay, yeah, this is easy. I mean, getting to the beach after the fish was probably the easiest it ever got. 
the fact that he was like, okay, I can finally see daylight and I don't stink and I don't smell like what I was smelling. But it's never going to get easy to do the will and the plan of God for your life. Here's what I've learned about my own life and Jonah's life and different things that I've gone through is this, is that everything that happens in my story is an opportunity to become something that grows me, teaches me, and guides me. Every time, this is, this is one of those moments that Jonah can learn some significant and crucial, valid things that he needs to learn about the Lord and about himself. Things that can help teach him and guide him and grow him. And when you're resistant to that, you know what you do? You repeat the story. When God asks you to do something, you run away again. It's in these moments that Jonah says, okay, I need to learn from this. I need to learn from the last time I tried to run from the Lord, what, what happened. It's in these moments that oftentimes do, when we're willing to endure them, that actually God gets the glory for our lives. All right, chapter 3, verse 3. So then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. This time, Jonah obeyed. This time he obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. It's a big city. This wasn't Centerton. This wasn't just Fayetteville or Bentonville. Three days to see the whole city. So he goes and he does what God's asking him to do. But in verse 6... It goes on, it says this, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne. He took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from the herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. I mean, he's trying to show the significance of Jonah's obedience. They took it so seriously that now your dog's not allowed to eat. Your dog's not allowed to, to have any water. Like, you, you need to make sure your dog doesn't eat any or drink anything. This is how serious this, this repentance is happening in this nation. Jonah does it. He's obedient. But see, sometimes I think we assume that just because we did it, we did it right. See, Jonah, it would assume in chapter 3, verse 1, that, oh, man, Jonah's really changed his heart fully. It goes on, and it really shows Jonah did it, but he didn't really want to do it. And I think that we have, to, we have to really be careful with just doing what God's asking us to do to do it and just to get God to shut up. God, if you'll just leave me alone, I'll do it. I've been there. Yes, I've been there. How about you? God, I'll do it. I'll finally do it just so you'll just leave me alone. But the point was is for, for, God, for God to change Jonah's heart the way that it was supposed to be changed so that he would love the city that he was calling to repentance. So this third and final point is this, is that why you do what you do is, is as critical as what you do. Why are you doing what God's asking you to do right now? Why are you willing to be obedient? Because why you do it is really important. It's not just what you do. It's not just what you're doing. It's why are you doing it? Is your heart really in this? Because you really want to be obedient to the Lord and you really want to please the Lord and you really want to do what he's asked you to do? Or is it just to make yourself feel better about being obedient to the Lord? Because I've been there too. 
okay, God, I'll do this and I'll feel better about it because I was obedient and you'll leave me alone. It's a win-win. But see, your choices in this thing, we see that what happens in verse six that I just read, that your choices have the power to transform. They have the power to transform an entire nation, a city, a circumstance, a situation. But sometimes we just don't really believe that. Verse one of chapter four, this changes the plans greatly, or this change of plans greatly upset Jonah because they all repented. The whole city, the whole nation said, We're, you are our Lord now. You are our God. And Jonah is livid because he, you know why? I think truly believe that this is why he got livid because he declared that God is gonna bring judgment on you and then God doesn't bring judgment on them. And the optics for Jonah don't look as good. Because now, look, I was wrong. Look what God did. Instead of the fact that it's not about your optics, it's about you being obedient to God. And Jonah cared more about what he was perceived and looked at rather than the fact that he was obedient to God. And some of us, we care way too much about what we look like instead of being pleasing to the Lord. It's more about what we look like and, oh, the fact that this, that's, Jonah's upset. He says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. This isn't the kind of anger, like, that's good anger. So he complained to the Lord about it. This is so powerful. That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you, a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, would do it. See, sometimes you want to have a confrontation and you want God to judge them and come at them and you know God's going to give them grace and mercy. And for them to not get the judgment that you feel they deserve, this is what's happening in his heart. He's exposing, at least he's being honest with the Lord about it. I appreciate that about him. But then... He goes on and he says this, Then Jonah went out, of the east city, uh, out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what, what would happen to the city. <laughs> Can you imagine? Judgment is coming to this city and I'm going to get some popcorn and soda and watch it burn. And he's just out there sitting like, let's see, let's let fire and brimstone happen. I heard what happened to Sodom. Let's go. Right? Like he is waiting for judgment to pounce the city. But he's like, I know that. God, he was merciful to me in the fish. He's going to do the same thing that happened to me in the fish to this city. He's going to give him grace. He's going to give him mercy. And your job and your role is not to determine whether God gives grace or mercy. It's to be obedient, to show up and do what he's asked you to do the way he's asked you to do it. And some of us are resistant to that because we think it should be a different way. What God is calling me to, well, it won't give me the glory that I would really like, or it would be different than this, or that's not, that's not, the, the goal is not that. Then check this out. I'm wrapping up. It says, it says, and then the Lord God arranged a leafy plant to grow there. So he's hot, he's getting sunburned, he's got a nice, bald, shiny head like Brian. I was probably a little better looking than him, but we won't go there yet. And it says, then the Lord arranged a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shadowing him from the sun. 
They eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. You would think this doesn't mean anything, but this means a lot in the story. Because then the next verse, the next morning, the Bible says that the Lord sent a worm to eat the leaf from its stem so that it would fall over and would remove the shadow, the shade from him. And it says that he got mad that God would ruin a, a, a tree, a, a leaf, a plant. Now here's what I took away from that. It's amazing that Jonah had compassion for a leaf, but he had no compassion for a city. He was mad at God because he ruined a leaf that God put there in an instant. And so many times we're not doing what we're called to do because we don't care about the thing that God cares about. We're caring about the wrong thing. We care about our reputation. We care about our comfort. We care about, we care about something that has to do with us instead of the fact that there's a whole city that's waiting to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus we care more about the plant and we're arguing with God and saying, God, I can't believe you did that to that tree, to that leaf, to that plant. So we have to learn to care more about what God cares about than what we care about. We have to have the compassion and, and the, the grace that God has in the areas that he's calling us to. I have a question I want you to write down and then we'll close. What is the cost of fighting the story he's writing with your life? Ultimately, what's the cost? What's the cost for you right now to fight the story that God's wanting to write with your life? Because many of you are fighting it, but what is the cost of it? The cost of it, I'm going to give you the answer even. I don't usually do that. But today, I feel really gracious. I'm going to give you the answer. It's someone else's freedom. See, that's what Jonah, what Jonah was fighting against in his story, in his life, was actually freedom for a whole nation from sin. That Jonah was being used to change an entire nation. Now you, calm down. You're not called to probably to change a whole nation. But you may be called to change a family. You may be called to change a workplace. You may be called to change a school or a college or a person. Simply by saying yes, because you realize that with the call comes freedom for them. So my question again is is this, is that why are you running? Because you can't outrun God. God's grace and his mercy is there to help you do whatever you're called to do if you're willing to let the grace and mercy be given. You guys can stand with me as we close. My heart is that you will have a burden to do and to go wherever God is asking you to go. be willing to be used by the Lord the way that God is wanting to use you, regardless of whether that is comfortable, easy, uncomfortable. 
Because we know Jonah finally did it, but he really didn't do it with the greatest heart. So this morning, I want to pray for those of you this morning that maybe you're wrestling. You're wrestling. You've been running. You've been struggling. And this morning, I just want to pray over you this morning. If that's you this morning, if you would just stretch your hand to heaven real quick. I just want to pray for you this morning. Father, you see every hand. And Father, you see why they're running. God, you see the fears that the enemy has highlighted in their lives. Father, I pray for the grace of God that rescued Jonah to rescue them. Father, you see the struggles that they're facing, they're dealing with. God, I thank you, God, that right now, God, that you would slow them down enough to say, okay, God, I want to go where you go. I want to do what you want me to do. I don't know how how I'm going to do it, but God, I I want to go where you want me to go, and I want to be led by your spirit. So, Father, I pray that right now the grace of God would enter this room. It would fill the hearts of those people. That, Father, right now in this moment, God, that you would give them the strength and the confidence to say yes. God, I'm willing to go. That that in chapter 3, that Jonah said, okay, I'm going to obey. That, God, in this moment right now, God, that people will say, yes, I'm willing to obey. God, truly help them, God. Give them dreams that they need, God. Give them vision for what it is, God. Let them have the capacity to not just lift up a hand in the the middle of a service in this kind of an environment, God, but as they leave today, God, that your voice, your spirit goes with them and reminds them and calls them and says, go to Nineveh. Do what I've called you to do. The assignment on your life is great. The people need your freedom. This nation needs your freedom. This workplace needs your freedom. This family needs its freedom. That there are situations, this school needs your freedom. This, this, this college needs this freedom. This little department needs its, it needs the freedom of, of God. Whatever it may be, Father, I thank you right now, Lord. Let, let the heart be transformed. Let the heart be calibrated to the will and the plan of God. In Jesus' name, right now, we thank you, we praise you, we give you glory and honor right now. Father, that we would care about what you care about, Father. We repent for caring about things that are not necessary. Father, we care about what you care about, God. We thank you, God, right now, God, that our hearts would burn with your heart. Lord, that we would desire what it is that you desire, Father. We thank you tonight, today, God, right now, that you would begin to, to mill our hearts with yours, God. That you would begin to unite our hearts with yours. That, Father, it would displease us to run. Let our, let our lives be a living sacrifice that you will find pleasing and acceptable. In Jesus' mighty name, we declare. Come on, say amen to that if that's you this morning. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. Father, I thank you for letting me do and run my race for you. If there's anybody in this room this morning, you've not given your life to Jesus, and this morning you say, I want to give my life and my heart to Jesus. I've been running. I've been avoiding the lordship of Jesus. This morning, I surrender my life to to him. I give my life and my heart to him. If that's you this morning, I want to ask you just to lift your hand real quick. I want to pray a prayer with you. You say, that's me. I want to give my life and my heart to Jesus for the first time. I want to recommit my heart. We love you, Father. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you, Jesus, for taking us and allowing us to run our, our race. In Jesus' name, amen.